Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bitch Breathe. My name is Ricardia Bremley and today I want to talk about what other than something that is close to my heart and I want to talk about little girls with daddy issues. So uh, that already has <laughs> tons of judgment in it, but bear in mind I am the little girl with daddy issues so I feel like I'm allowed to say that. So what do I mean by that and why am I dedicating a whole episode to just that topic? And the reason I'm doing this is because it's something that, of course, comes up your whole life. Me, I grew up without my father. He was out of the picture way before I was born. And for many, many years, if people ask me, don't you miss having a dad? Or isn't it weird to just have one parent in the house? Because my mom stayed mostly single. I was like, no. And um, also, what you don't know, you don't miss. And I was pretty happy with that arrangement in my mind and my soul until I started having, you guessed it, serious romantic relationships. And suddenly I'm beginning to think, hmm, well this is strange, like um, I can't explain certain things that I'm doing. And then I took this funny, it was funny because it was a psychology 101 class. I don't know if any of you have ever taken a psychology 101, but basically any disease, any um, state that they describe, suddenly you're sitting there and thinking, maybe I do have autism, maybe, uh, you know what, I think I am bipolar. And that was me in Psychology 101. But one of the main things I remembered in the class was when they talked about how women who grow up without their fathers date. And basically, back then, but keep in mind, this is 20 years ago, I'm sure there's a more evolved or sophisticated way of uh, describing these situations or these upbringings now. But back then they basically said, these girls are going to grow up to be very promiscuous, changing partners all the time, their marriages, their relationships never last. And they basically spend their whole lives looking for daddy. And um, I always have to laugh when I think about that because I spent so much of my life trying to not be that girl. You know, trying to understand that, yes, daddy was missing, but I didn't actually miss him. Yes, there was no father, but that doesn't mean there was no presence of um, an upbringing of a loving parent, who in this case was my mother, and some other substitute caregivers. Now, why am I mentioning all this? Um, because at some point, this is when my second marriage failed, by the way, I started to think, okay, here's the psychology and here's all the research. And then I asked myself, or is this just fate? Am I just doomed to fuck up my relationships or, or they fuck up me in some way because I grew up without my dad? And this story seemed so poor and cheap and cliche that for years I was like, I'm not going to, you know, dedicate any thought to this because it's just something that I need to overcome and I don't want to be another one of those girls you know uh, Ryan Reynolds in one movie I cannot for the life of me remember what movie that was but he says to some girl at some point oh you're a little girl with daddy issues shouldn't you be dancing on a pole somewhere and I laughed out loud when I heard that because I thought that's exactly it I became an actor uh, by the way, I didn't dance on a pole, only for one of my roles in acting, so maybe I did go there. But um, I became an actor because could there be any more maximum visibility than becoming an actor, right? Maybe daddy can see you because now you've made yourself the ultimate visible 
uh, subject, if you will, right? And I did that for many, many years until at some point I realized I don't actually want to create art. I just want to be seen. And of course, I was getting older and the need to be seen on an external level no longer mattered to me and had no value. And the more I became who I am today, the more confident, I guess you could say, hopefully a little bit wiser, and certainly a little bit more humbled, I began to realize, okay, this is something I do want to look at. It is a cliche. It bothers me that I'm that girl, but I'm going to have to deal with it and find a way to accept it. And why did I choose now? to talk about this and to find a way through it. Um, As so often, this is triggered by a new relationship. I've recently met somebody, it's only just a couple of months old, so obviously the jury's way out on whether this is gonna go anywhere long-term, but I made a very conscious choice to choose a person who is not a very natural choice for me normally. What do I mean by that? I mean, normally, I used to date men who would, what we know now in psychology, uh, who would love bomb me, meaning there would be presents, there would be invitations, there would be irresistible sexual advances, there would be the attention, just lavished with attention that you just felt like this person's queen. And who better to choose than the little girl with daddy issues? because she's going to pay attention, because that's exactly what she never got, right? So this guy does not love bomb. (laughs) Like, I have yet to wait for a single love bomb to be dropped on me. Um, So why am I even dating this guy, right? Like, this doesn't seem very appealing. And it really has been a very anxiety-loaded time for me, not because he's not a good guy, but because he's so different from everything I know. He's conscious, he's woke. When I am going through something, he asks me, what do I need, and doesn't just you know, buy me a present or tell me to pull myself together because clearly I'm creating drama where there need not be any. He is very kind and he reads the same books I do, which I realized just became a totally narcissistic compliment to me. But there's all these aspects of him that I'm not familiar with and it's freaking me the fuck out. Um... Of course, you can now say, girl, what is your problem? Like, you got yourself a nice guy, hold on to him. Like, why are you getting nervous? But the truth is, this guy is way out of my league, way out of my comfort zone, I mean by that, because he's not doing anything of what I'm used to. And I sort of have to rely on the belief that he does, however, mean business when it comes to me, that he is developing an in-love relationship to me. And that has been very difficult because, well, for one, he's German. And I don't know if any of you have spent any significant time in Germany, but to read Germans is not so easy to do. Um, They can be a little, they can come across as being a little standoffish, even arrogant. There's certainly a lot of insecurity there sometimes, possibly through their history, but they're not always the most extroverted or hearty kind of people. And I mean that in the nicest way because they make the best friends, like, Really, if you do manage to make a German friend, you will have this German friend for life. Very loyal, very reliable, and actually very loving on a level that you do have to deep, deep, um, how do you say, dig deeply for. 
So that's just my side note on, on German people. Um, but yeah, so there's this new guy and he's a total revolution in my life and he's giving me such bad panic attacks. And if you listen to my first episode of Bitch Breathe, you'll know that I have a lot of issues around panic and anxiety and for me to voluntarily stay in a state of that, which staying with him is the consequence of that, then after that episode, you'd know that that's a really hard thing for me to do. I don't know how many times I've imagined myself just putting on my running shoes and running away and putting some distance between he and I. I've still stuck. I'm staying here. But I do want to talk about the whole idea of dating when you are somewhere deep inside, no matter how much therapy you've done, how many workshops you've done, how often you've had your womb blessed, I don't know, whatever sh shame and work you've done, and you still feel like, mm, am I lovable enough? Is this guy going to stick around? And um, that was a really hard thing for me, because I constantly feel like, well, why is he not like wanting to have sex all the time, for example, right? Like that's a big thing to me. Um, and it sounds so superficial because like, what is wrong with you? You offer up sex every time anything gets hard. And the answer is, yeah, I used to, uh, because that was the best way for me to sort of lubricate, if you will, excuse the pun, my way through a conflict, right? That doesn't fly here. Here we sort of talk it out and we speak to each other in a very loving and constructive way and I'm like is this guy for real like did, I mean he probably read this somewhere because he's got this bedroom filled with books but it's really really hard right so I've been thinking about ways for us as women who may have been in abusive relationships mutually abusive relationships physical abuse verbal abuse sexual abuse whatever the abuse was and I firmly believe that I have contributed to some of that in my relationships I take full responsibility for that but what can we do to make a conscious choice to stop choosing that and I came up with a couple of ideas that I thought maybe you know they might be helpful to you so some of the things that I've been doing with this new guy who as I've just mentioned elaborately, gives me a lot of anxiety. Uh, some of the things I've developed is to really take it slowly. What do I mean by that? I mean, I don't see this guy very often. By the nature of our relationship, it has happened that we don't see each other more than twice a week because we both work a lot and we have a lot of interests. So we, we actually don't see a lot of each other and it has forced me to make this whole initial sort of honeymoon phase a total slow burn. I couldn't obsess too much. I couldn't, you know, call all the time because it so happens he actually doesn't, you know, ring me all the time and I don't call him so much, but he keeps me on in the loop, right? Like he'll message me throughout the day to let me know how his day is going or to ask how mine was. And so he stays present, but there's no sort of obsessiveness is he going to call is he going to message what does he mean by this message because that was there at the beginning I'm like this is very cryptic all he's writing is I just went to sports I'm like okay well that's not exactly a novel and um, he's not very sort of lovey-dovey in his messages either there's no like I love you or I'm in love with you or I can't wait to see you there's none of that and you're just like hmm 
I've seen this differently before. Can I trust this new version? So um, basically, yeah, rule number one for me has been make it a slow burn. Don't text all the time. Don't try to be together all the time and just really, really allow yourself space and time away from this person to really observe your own behavior and the dynamic between you. The second tool I want to say that I used, I used this obsessively in other relationships, but only to sort of get more obsessive and hysterical over this new guy. But what I did this time is I asked my friends, mm, how should I do this? That's literally what I said. I said, girls, I don't know how to do this. This guy is treating me so differently. I don't even know. Is he interested? Like, um, do we have a future together? He's very, very different from me. And my girlfriends, as always, have been an, ama an amazing support team, team for me throughout my life. And they would just say, why aren't you just enjoying this? Why don't you just take it easy? This doesn't have to mean long term right now. And if it doesn't work out, it also doesn't mean that you will never have another person like this or any person for that matter. This does not have to work is basically what they were saying. And I thought that is so great. So rule number two, number two, this does not have to work. It doesn't have to work. Yes, we're exhausted from dating sometimes. Yes, we've had some really bad experiences and disappointments. But the truth is, this guy, this girl, whoever, does not have to work out. Your happiness does not depend on it. So that was a really cool thing for me to think about. And the third tool I thought would be really helpful was to actually address my insecurities with this guy. This one I took really, really slowly. I was very careful because I didn't want to come across as, well, obviously I didn't want to come across as desperate. I also had a huge problem with making myself that vulnerable to this fairly new person whom I did not know very well before we started dating, even though we knew each other for a longer amount of time. But because he's so different, I found it very hard to read him. So at some point, I actually just said, you know, I don't normally do this. And he looked at me and he said, well, do what? And I said, well, I have very different men normally, and I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone here. And he asked me, of course, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, um, like you're, you're a very conscious person. You are not afraid of addressing issues and stuff. And I just, for me, it's very difficult to be with someone like this. And we went into a bunch of other details to sort of flesh out that initial idea that I was mentioning to him. And he just, first of all, he did become a little hesitant because I think he basically understood me to be saying, dude, I'm like one step away from running out of here, which is exactly what I was saying. <laughs> but um, I, uh, of course, then sort of amended my, my statement and said, no, no, I want to stay here. It's just very, very difficult for me because, and then X, Y, and Z. And he just sort of didn't comment much on that, but sort of stayed there, sitting there and listened. And just really gave me the space to say this and not feel threatened by it. So that was rule number three, is to just address 
What is it you feel insecure about? And if the guy, if the gal can't hold a space for you or is threatened by it, well, guess what? They would be so much more trouble down the line that you might as well just call it a day or not. See how it develops, of course, but it is important for us to know that we can say what we're nervous about. And that was rule number three. So I'm really curious to hear what your dating experience has been, how you, if you are a little girl with daddy issues, handle the whole conscious choice, conscious guy, because I know there's a lot of talk about about it out there. There's a lot of talk about narcissists out there and a lot about how narcissists look for a certain type of woman or man, depending on who's being the narcissist. And so it's just interesting to look at these things and to figure out, okay, if I am sort of fodder for a narcissistic partner, what are the ways in which I can consciously steer the boat away from that kind of guy? For me, it was waking up from a second marriage and realizing, oh my God, I'm in full on hell and I need to do something about it. And it took me, I'll be very honest, it took me a couple of guys and about three years or so to just um, recognize a lot of the mm, fears and shortcomings I had that were absolute perfect soil for a narcissistic personality to come into my life. And so now I've sort of hopefully exchanged that soil with something that allows me to be with a kind person, be with a conscious guy, and not feel like I have to sort of be this girl with daddy issues and always be in relationships that really, really replicate my kind of childhood experience or childhood parenting that I had. So anyway, ladies, hit me up with your comments. Really looking forward to hearing from you. Until next time, this was Bitch Breathe and my name is Ricardia. Thank you for listening.